Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. We're going to talk about two problems common to middle age, overeating and clutter. And when we speak of clutter, I'm not just talking about excess stuff in our living space or at the office. I'm also talking about a cluttered lifestyle as well. Disorganization, too much to do, too much time wasted on unimportant tasks, not enough time spent on tasks that matter. So let me ask you three questions that at first may not make a lot of sense. Are the laundry files in your bedroom linked to why your bathroom scale won't budge? Is the stack of unopened mail on your counter a clue as to why you keep skipping your workouts? And is the emotional clutter in your life the true flip switch for why you hoard stuff and why you overeat? Well, my next guest, Dorothy Brenninger, known far and wide as Dorothy the Organizer, who's here along with her executive assistant, Harvey Hawks, answers these questions, yes, yes, and yes. And Dorothy, the organizer, knows what she's talking about. She's been there and done that. She's America's most innovative professional organizer, known to millions as the fearless yet endearing problem solver on the Emmy-nominated A&E TV show Hoarders, a life coach. She's also a best-selling author of five books, including her latest, which I love the name, Stuff Your Face or Face Your Stuff, the organized approach to law lose weight by decluttering your life and she's been featured in the wall street journal forbes and old magazine and you may have seen her as a guest on the today show dr phil show qvc or pbs and perhaps most impressive of all she once lost 75 pounds on her own initiative and has kept the weight off and hello dorothy and harvey it's uh, we're most honored to have you here with us today Hey there, Roy. Thank you so much. That introduction just, wow, it makes me feel kind of important. Whoa, thank you. <laughs> you most certainly are. Well, let's start with the basics. It's surprising to hear that uh, similar emotional issues lead both to hoarding and packing on unwanted pounds. What lies beneath both obsessive eating and the tendency to hoard physically and emotionally? Yeah. Well, I think that um, a lot of people who may be overweight might also see some signs of clutter around their home or offices or car. And uh, I know that firsthand because I was overweight. I was over 200 pounds. And, and yet um, you were an organizer when you were overweight. <laughs> That's a surprise. Yes, yes. And, you know, I actually got my epiphany on the hoarders show when I was, you know, trying to climb up those piles and mountains of all that stuff. Um, I just was ha having a hard time carrying my weight. And I said, you know what? I'm like a lot of these people. <laughs> and when you ask sort of what lies beneath these things, like what's under the clutter or what's underneath the emotional eating, for example, yeah. it really boils down to the same exact thing. 
And those items, Roy, are past traumas. Uh, sometimes it's our environmental upbringing. Sometimes it's as simple as just being uncomfortable with how we feel and the thoughts that just keep racing in our head. Hmm. Or it's a major upset like a divorce or a job loss or a death. Either one of those, like alcoholism, can trigger what's already sort of in your DNA. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, the term clutter, as you use it, doesn't apply just to excessive stuff collecting around our home or office, does it? What are some of the other forms of clutter that can mess up our lives? Yeah, when I think of clutter, you know, initially when I started writing the book, Stuff Your Face or Face Your Stuff, I said, huh, you know what? I've got clutter around my waistline the same way. I was, I was eating sugar and flour and packing it on the same way someone who likes to go to yard sales or pick up those interesting objects at the side of the road that people are leaving out for trash day. Yeah. You know, I couldn't stop, and sometimes my hoarding clients can't stop. But, you know, there's also other obsessions like, you know, wanting someone to fall in love with you who who doesn't or doesn't want to. That's yeah. emotional clutter that we carry around. And what about all those things, those ideas, the projects that are bouncing around in our head? And we think, oh, wow, I just want to get to this or that. That's, that's you know, brain clutter. So and then there's, there's something we talked about a little while ago, accepting too many tasks and responsibilities. You're unable to say no, then your life gets really cluttered. Yes. Well, and as we go into retirement, we think we're going to have all this time, but people really, you know, whether it's uh, jury duty who wants us, grandkids who need us, or, <laughs> you know, you know, us still wanting to work part-time, whatever those things are, it's, we do have to say no. We do. Yeah. Well, what is it that our clutter trying to tell us, and how does it relate to the struggle so many of us have to lose weight and keep it off? What is clutter telling us when we, we have that problem? Yeah, I, I, I like on it before, but uh, yeah, no, I think I can take it a little further if you don't mind. But no. you know, when I think about uh, clutter, I ask the question: What is our clutter trying to tell us? And I'll give you one example, Roy. I had a client who was a single woman, and I went into her home, and I said, okay, show me around. So she showed me the kitchen, and she showed me the closet in her bedroom, and the closet was full of men's suits hanging there, <laughs> just all over the shoulders. And then I went into the bathroom, and I saw her cosmetics, and then I opened the other medicine cabinet, and I saw all sorts of rusted shaving, you know, uh, cans and razors. that were all rusted. So the clutter was telling me something. Obviously, you could guess, perhaps. Do you want to take a guess and see what it might mean? <laughs> it means she used to be married but isn't anymore, I would guess. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, you know, she's not willing to see it. So I yeah. said to this particular woman, I said, okay, Laura, what's the deal here? I'm seeing suits in your closet and you know, these shavers and everything's rusted out, what's, what's underneath this clutter? And, and you, were re you were really close. She said, well, I, I'm not with my husband anymore. He passed away about nine, oh, well. nine years ago. Wow. <laughs> she said, I see. So yeah, I think it's more a tendency to keep old um, mail items if your husband passed away rather than uh, you probably if you divorced 
You divorced him. I, he probably threw all his stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> I, you're right. It might be up to who who left whom on that one. But yeah. but in in this case, you know, she she was holding on to it. And I said to her, "There are actually two of you living here." <laughs> That's a good even point. though her husband had passed away. Yeah. So there's no wonder there was all that clutter. So we got to the bottom of what's under the clutter. And and one other simple example is just looking at a pile of books next to somebody's bed. Is there yeah. a bunch of books with a whole bunch of different categories, you know, crafting or woodworking or, yeah. you know, recipes or you know, all these different books? Or do we have one sort of theme that supports a particular goal we're going after? So that's what our clutter tells us, and there's lots of examples I could give you. Well, before we can learn uh, new habits, lose weight, and remove all the clutter around and within us, what do we need to do? I think that's such a good point that you make in, the, in your book. That, uh, you know, in terms of some ideas or tips for clutter? Well, Roy, would no, that- I'm thinking of uh, you say that uh, before we uh, – attack those issues and learn new habits, we need to uh, examine what emotional, you sort of touched on at the beginning of the program, but uh, emotional uh, items inside our brains or whatever that's uh, that's sort of impacting this. Yeah. Getting beneath the surface. Yeah, that usually comes out when you are able to, what I call an emotional dump or a physical dump. You know, you want to get all of your stuff categorized into, not even categorized, but into one big area. So, example, if you're trying to get all those to-dos that are in your head, I want you to get those down. Dump them onto a piece of paper and, you know, just look at them and then you can prioritize what those projects and ideas are. And one way to handle all the things that are the emotional clutter or the, the brain clutter that you've got is to to really prioritize it and ask yourself each morning, hey, what's the single most important thing I can be accomplishing today or that I need to accomplish? Boil it down to just one. Because if you get down and do that number one item, you're going to be okay with the rest of your day. And same goes with a physical clutter. If you're going to be cleaning out your closet, pull it all out. And then, you know, start dealing with the pieces, just the closet. You don't want to tackle the whole house at one time. Yeah, that's great. Well, uh, please tell us a bit about your own remarkable weight loss, since we're talking about weight loss. In your youth, you were an accomplished gymnast, but later in your life, your weight ballooned to 200 pounds. What factors contributed to your weight gain? And more importantly, how were you subsequently able to drop 75 pounds and to remain pleasantly thin, the person that you are today? Because <laughs> <laughs> the, the yo-yo effect is so common when, when you lose a bunch of weight and then gain it back. But, but you've managed not to do that. So the... Yeah, and incidentally, the yo-yo effect happens with our weight and it happens with our clutter. So whatever oh, I'm saying goes for both because we go up and down the scale and we also get organized and we also, you know, get it cluttered again. It's but easy to happens... re-clutter, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's for everybody. We all have our patterns of how we like to organize. My husband, Marty, for example, 
he's a daily organizer. He does the dishes daily. He opens his mail daily. He's just really OCD. And you got uh, him doing the dishes. He's a good husband. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this call was good for me, just to remind me of how good I have it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, he's he's what I – he just does it daily. I'm a weekly person. I like to open my mail once a week. I like to declutter once a week. So there are people who like to do it monthly, and then there are my hoarders who just never get to it. So, But to answer your question about how I did it, what happened for me in gaining 200 pounds was uh, caregiving. And I think oh, yeah. a lot of us in this age bracket struggle with, you know, caring for our aging parents or caring for, you know, an adult child who may have special needs yeah. uh, or even a sibling. Uh, my sister had cancer, oh. and I had to move in with her and my mother. Ouch. Yeah. And uh, I was paying for bills and doing cancer caregiving and, uh, you know, chemotherapy and car driving and all that stuff with a full-time job and paying her bills. And I'll tell you what, the only thing that was soothing to me was two pints of ice cream every single night. Yeah, comfort food sounds like a logical uh, thing that a lot mm-hmm. of people would turn to with all those burdens and those responsibilities you had. Well, we could spend yeah. hours talking about weight loss, but I'd like to briefly move on to the general subject of organization. And you're a professional organizer, certified professional organizer, and I recently discovered your 10 organizational tips. And I think you gave us one of them at, uh, a little while ago, but could you give us two or three of the other uh, most important tips that uh, you say uh, can be uh, most important to uh, be better organize our lives and our spaces? What are a couple of those tips? Absolutely. I'll start with one for the guys. You know, keep it even here. But, you know, when it comes to the garage, <laughs> men are typically good about keeping their tools organized. Yeah. It's the w- women in their lives who kind of <laughs> go in there and, and pull out the tools and then they never see them again, right? Yeah. So I like to get those big pegboards and hang the tools, the wrench, you know, the hammer on the pegboard. And here's the cool part, Roy. Take a Sharpie, a big black marker, and draw an outline around that Whoa. hammer and around the wrench. <laughs> And then we know when it's gone, and we can track it down, or we know the person who took it, and they know they know where to put it back. They can guess. It's sort of like a little game. So that's yeah, a great that's a, tip for the garage. That's a great um, idea. In, in terms of, you know, tips for our paperwork, because, again, our age bracket straddles, well, do we keep it digitally, or should we keep it, you know, the physical paper world? At least keep a binder of all your medical papers together. Oh, yes, um, that's so important. And if you are the type of person, you can use a program like digitallifecloud.com, and you can store all your stuff on the cloud, but at least get your medical stuff scanned into the cloud or have it in a binder and take it with you every single time. Um, and while I'm on, on uh, paper, I also like to say if you're a piler instead of a uh, – <laughs> some people are pilers and some people are filers. Which one are you, Roy? Well, I hope to be a filer, but occasionally <laughs> I become a filer. <laughs> most of us have. We used to file. Most of us pile. And I say take those books off the bookshelf and turn them into piles on your bookshelf instead. Have a pile, you know, of vacation ideas, bills to pay, stuff to read. 
and have neat piles in those bookcases. Oh, and uh, yeah, and I think my last one is everybody likes to know about the closet, and the best way to organize a closet is to do it by size or by season or by color, day of the week. And you can go to uh, the 10minuteclosetorganizer.com for something like that. They have oh. these little um, dividers where you can divide the stuff equally. You know, share those closets. Uh, share the closets 50-50. Make sure everybody gets a, if you're married, everybody and a, gets and a, a And a personal yeah. recommendation, if you haven't worn something in about two or three years, give it to the Goodwill or to somebody because if you never wear it, why do you keep it around? Yeah, and I, just to that point, if it's got a lot of dust on the shoulders or on the <laughs> crease of the pants, that's your clue. Yeah. Let them go. <laughs> yeah, let's, well, let's talk a bit about your uh, best-selling book, Stuff Your Face or Face Your Stuff, and I love that title. Unlike most weight loss books out there, your book doesn't contain a, a bunch of dietary recommendations or suggested meals, does it? In contrast, no. what does the book contain? It, 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 it's like this. If I'm going to ask you, Roy, to get rid of all your favorite T-shirts, <laughs> and I say your favorite T-shirts have got to go, um, you're likely to hold on to it more. It, it's just the human nature. You're, gonna, you, you're telling me I need to get rid of my stuff? I don't think so. So, in, in, And it's the same with food. If I come and tell you no chips this week, no cookies this week, you're not going to get any of it. You're going to hold on to it tighter. So the approach is to really find a different way to combat the weight loss. And so in the book, Stuff Your Face or Face Your Stuff, we just say, look, if you start cleaning the piles up in your bedroom, if you start paying your bills, if you start doing all these other organizing tactics, it creates motivation for you to also want to take better care of yourself, take care of yourself take care of yourself. Yeah, just just, a little bit any way you build the self-esteem in one area, it builds you the desire to build your self-esteem by doing something else yes. like losing weight. and That makes so much sense. Well, what's your, uh, what actions would you hope to inspire readers to take when they, they go through your book? The first thing is, is to um, self-care. That's the number one thing because when we don't look at we, – we put everybody else first most of the time, and if it's in our nature to do that, then it's going to continue all of our lives. And if, yeah. if Roy, you're all about making this our best life right now in, in this yeah. time, this age bracket. So I encourage everybody to find ways to take care of themselves first. And I always, uh, We always on this program – Talk about what Jesus says in the Bible, love your neighbor like you love yourself. But if you don't love yourself, it's pretty difficult to love anyone else. <laughs> yes, yes. And last year, you know, I had four deaths in my family, including my sister. Wow. And it was a tough year, and I really wasn't too nice to myself. And I've been reminded I did pick up my book, and I started looking at the sections on guilt and then just, you know, was able to start taking care of myself again. That's what I would recommend. Put oh, you that's first. Great. Well, you yeah. offer a lot of other great stuff on your website. Uh, you can get the book through there, but you have videos and uh, organizing tips, coaching services, organizing services, a store, blogs, the opportunity to subscribe to your free newsletter. Give us that Ooh. website address. 
I will. And, you know, we even have videos on how to vacation with your parents in a fun and meaningful way, because that can be treacherous. But uh, <laughs> the uh, the website is uh, DorothyTheOrganizer.com. So, and, uh, and yeah, you can also, yeah, and it's the same for YouTube. If you want to see all of those videos, uh, you can go to the YouTube channel and look up DorothyTheOrganizer.com. So we keep it pretty easy to find. And we can find your book on, uh, like, Amazon and places like that as well, I presume. Yes, yes, and you can find the Hoarder Shows. On Netflix, uh, you can find Harvey, you know, uh, who's here with me. He's my uh, executive assistant and brand manager. He puts all that stuff online, and uh, he's he's ready to help out and uh, make videos that people want to see. So if you want to know something, email me at Dorothy, Dorothy at DorothyTheOrganizer.com. Well, that's simple enough. Well, to conclude, uh, I'll conclude today's program with some shocking statistics. Hard to fathom, but from Dorothy, the organizer's website, here are the facts. 45% of all people pay bills late. 85% of you women overwork routinely. And I, I don't know if this includes the uh, back-breaking unpaid hours that you working women spend child-rearing, parenting, performing domestic chores uh, in the evening and on weekends, and there are 15 million hoarders in the USA alone, and who knows how many hoarders there are worldwide, and there are 2.3 billion square feet of storage units in the U.S., and I don't know if that includes the uh, personal closets in our homes, apartments, and offices. <laughs> With you, if you are contributing to one or more of these statistics, I highly recommend you visit uh, Dorothy Renninger's uh, website and preview her late, uh, her book, Stuff Your Face or Face Your Stuff. And uh, for the fun, stress-free, and organized life we all want and res uh, deserve, we can condition ourselves to get organized and banish emotional clutter, incessant frustration, and fear of failure, which comes from that cluttered uh, brain that so many of us have. Discard physical clutter uh, for, uh, from unneeded paper and office supplies to clothing we don't even wear. Swap negative, unhealthy, food-related habits for healthy, uplifting ones, and establish a healthy limit on food consumption, including off-limits on those comfort foods that we mm. unconsciously ingest to reward ourselves and to ease the vein, like as Dorothy said, from all the rigors of uh, caregiving or whatever the uh, vein may be. And the good news is, isn't it great to learn that we can attack excess poundage, hoarding, and a disorganized lifestyle all at once? by getting to that inner cause and uh, addressing that. And thank you so much, Dorothy, for uh, your most helpful information and for joining us here today. You are welcome, Roy. We love your show. Keep up the great work. And best of success in all that you do. You're uh, really performing a, a very necessary function in our <laughs> cluttered society. <laughs> yes, we are one for sure. Thanks, Roy. Well, as this episode debuts on the Internet, we're only about 10 days past Valentine's Day, and I trust that your sweetheart and you had a wonderful holiday rekindling all the love you share, and I trust that aura of romance lingers. But, hey, wouldn't it be wonderful if the two of you could share a Valentine's Day spirit all year long? Regrettably, though, for most of us, that's easier said than done, isn't it? 
after all, you've been, if you're like me, your sweetheart is also your spouse, and you've been married to the same person for 20, 30, even 40 years. Oh, I know some of you are in your second marriages, maybe, and it hasn't been that long, but uh, the two of you are continually wrapped up in raising kids, paying bills, pursuing your careers, resolving problems, all these family crises that come up. Who has time for romance? Also, there's the issue of familiarity. Year after year, you spend a major portion of your waking hours in each other's company, not to mention, hopefully, sleeping together in the same bed. And after all these years, you think you know your husband or your wife all too well. His or her foibles, irritating mannerisms, bad habits, and tendency to ignore what uh, your desires are so much of the time. And has your life partner become old hat, nothing really new to explore, and a lot that bugs you? The bottom line, so few of us are able to sustain the romantic intimacy, warmth, and unbridled enthusiasm that we delay during courtship and early on in our marriages. And for some, it may feel like you're being married to your brother or sister, which I guess is okay so long as neither neither of you craves the emotional and physical gratification of a sexually intimate relationship. And for uh, some other couples, the situation is even worse. The only time you really pay attention to each other is when you have a knockdown, drag-out uh, argument or confrontation, which uh, more and more seems like it's most of the time. Uh, but here's some great news. Can you and your spouse spare just five minutes a day for each other? And heck, who doesn't have that much time? Uh, if so, my next guest, Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, M.D., has tips on how to boost intimacy and restore romance to your marriage, including your sex life. And it's certainly worth, uh, worth listening in to what the good doctor has to say. And you may recall that Dr. Dalton Smith was a prior guest on our September 3rd, 2018 episode. And, of course, we have all of those on our website, so you can go back and listen to that uh, episode if you wish. But to, to refresh your memory, Dr. Uh, Sandra Dalton Smith is a board certified uh, internal medicine physician with a thriving practice in Birmingham, Alabama. She's a nationally and internationally recognized author, speaker, and media resource on the connection of mind, body, and spirit. And she's author of three widely acclaimed books, including her latest, the 2017 book, Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. And hello, Dr. Sandra. Welcome back to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Hi. Thanks for having me. Well, okay. Let's say that most of our um, attached listeners are willing to dedicate the recommended five minutes a day to each other. How do you suggest that the husband and wife spend this time? The trick is to have some eye-to-eye connections. What we're finding with the research is that so many couples, and you even mentioned this, the only time that they spend eye-to-eye, face-to-face with each other, is when they are arguing or discussing things that are difficult, like the bills or some type of problem with their kids. Because if you think about it, we spend a lot of time together, but that together time is usually not facing each other. It's either facing the TV or looking at our computers in some other way engaged. So we're in the same... (laughs) Absolutely. So we're in the same proximity, but we're not really connecting. And it's that that face-to-face connection is where intimacy is actually increased. 
that's where the passion. And when you think about when you first fell in love, most of the time is spent face to face. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, and unfortunately, when the further eyes. we get away from that eye-to-eye contact, the easier it is to feel detached. Yeah. And then when someone else gives you that eye-to-eye contact, you you start building intimacy with other people. And we want to keep that within our, our core relationships. Yeah, that's true. Well, you and your mate, let's say, are now alone together. You've uh, bought into this idea. The kids mm-hmm. have gone to bed or are outside at play. And uh, how should you break the ice and get the conversation started? Do you begin by talking about your day? Or do you ask your spouse about his or her day? How do you start the conversation? Well, I always like for it to feel very organic, but as you mentioned, this is so foreign to most people that when I say it, spend five minutes looking at each other, it's it's like let's sit and fidget for a minute. What I usually have people start with is something very simple. It's just the, the question that so many of us ask everyone, but we don't listen for a real response from anyone. How is your day? Yeah, and to actually explain that person to give you something more than okay or it was fine to open up the dialogue to act to be able to share what those emotions were that hit you that day whether it was good or bad and to have and then to let the conversation flow freely from that and what most couples share and what I think is very interesting is that because we don't do that at home we ask strangers our co-workers everybody in the world how are you doing and we don't really want to hear the answer or really listen to it, the one person who we should care what the answer is, because it's going to affect everything else in the household, is the one person we don't ask the question to. (laughs) So, so true. Well, what if you and your spouse have been on each other's nerves throughout the day, disagreeing over every little thing? The kids have been awful. The the wife wants to buy a luxury that we can't afford, according to you, or the, the husband wants to spend next week on a, on a fishing trip with his buddies, leaving uh, the wife home alone with three children. Is it really practical, even possible, to uh, call time out from bickering for a five-minute harmonious togetherness? Not until those situations are dealt with. So when couples tell me that they are having kind of underlying issues that are going on, there's some other stressors that are keeping their relationship pulled apart, really those issues have to be dealt with because you can't build intimacy with someone that you're mad with. So this works best for those couples who have really just kind of drawn away from each other. If you feel like your spouse is kind of more of a roommate than a lover, then that's the type of relationship where these five minutes has the greatest potential of changing not only your connection to each other, but really your sex life because you want to, to, you are more prone to want someone touching you that you feel intimacy with. Yeah, that's so true. Well, what is the best time of day to do this? From your experience, you find taking five minutes works best first thing in the morning, last thing at night, or sometime in between? Or does the time really matter? It's different for each couple. I, I find some couples that spend their, they have their kind of morning coffee together, and yeah. so that morning coffee time that they have together is where they begin the intimacy. So yeah, then they feel connected throughout the rest of the day. As long as their mind isn't racing forward to all they have to do after that. Exactly, exactly. And then other couples, particularly if you have kids at home or something like that, then, you know, there might be so much going on in the morning that it's after you have that everyone's in the bed and you have that time together at night. As long as you don't fall asleep in the middle of it. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want it to be too relaxing, in other words. Of course, you could uh, fall into each other's arms in bed after that. That That's true. 
<laughs> well, ideally, whenever a major uh, issue comes up, feuding couples eventually come together, hopefully through contact, conflict resolution. Isn't this resolution just as effective as that uh, detached five minutes um, of communication on what's going on in each other's lives? What about conflict resolution? Doesn't that uh, bring you together closer to you? It does if you allow it to, because sometimes with conflict resolution, you have to give and take. Yeah. And uh, if you already feel as if you're giving a lot into a relationship and not receiving a lot from it, then that conflict resolution can leave one person feeling like they're the victor and the other person feeling like they're the victim out of that situation. Yeah. And those five minutes, you're really wanting to both parties to come out of there with something what we call social rest. It's that rest from being in the presence of someone who understands you, who appreciates you, who you feel a deep connection with. You also talk about emotional rest coming out of those uh, five minutes. What What is emotional rest? Is, uh, emotional rest is when you're having that ability to speak your truth without apology. Oh. And so oftentimes we are tapering our words around coworkers and bosses and even our friends. You're kind of tapering what you say because you don't want to offend someone. And it's good to have those relationships where you can just speak your truth. So if, if someone's ticking you off and you can just say to your husband, you know, I really don't understand why this person does that. That's really interfering with my day. It's upsetting to me. And you can get it off your chest so it doesn't just keep festering inside of you. Okay, so that's uh... Will you assure us that when we promote spiritual and emotional rest uh, to our spouse, everyone wins? Who is the everyone you have in mind? I think I can guess. But how do these third parties benefit when we strengthen the romantic bonds with our spouse? You're less grumpy. <laughs> People with good sex lives aren't snapping at everybody. <laughs> your your hormone levels are in a in a state of kind of calm. And that's what I think that most people, they don't realize is that some people, they say, oh, well, you're so happy all the time. <laughs> well, if you have, if you ever notice someone who's in the process right before they go through a divorce, they're usually either depressed, they're difficult to talk to, they're withdrawn, they're angry, they're frustrated. People who have very healthy relationships are good people to be around. You yeah. Feel that Before energy from living like that. They're that way because um, even when they're apart from their spouse, they may uh, feel a, va uh, a vacancy in their lives for that relationship that once was there. So, uh, mm -hmm. so you very definitely need that uh, close connection. Obviously, it's a great benefit to your children because they can tell when Daddy and Mommy are really <laughs> in tune with each other and not at each other's throats all day. Absolutely, so true. Well, let's talk briefly about your uh, latest book, Sacred Breast, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. We talked about it last September, but please refresh our memories. Uh, the social rest and emotional rest are only two of seven types of rest that uh, you tell us in the book that we need. What are the other five types of rest we need to be whole? Yes, the other five are physical, mental, spiritual, sensory, and creative. Yeah, and if we had time, we'd discuss them all in detail because they're all uh, so important. And uh, as you point out, I guess, uh, you have to have all seven of them. You can't get by with five or six of them. It's, 
So, well, you're already using energy from all seven of those areas, and depending on the type of work you do, the type of lifestyle you live, some of those areas are going to get pulled on and drained quicker than others. Yeah. So you really want to be able to identify where you're pouring out the most in your life so that you can be specific in how you restore your rest. Okay, that's right. Yeah, and one more crucial issue I recall from the book, what's the difference between good sleep and bad sleep? And more importantly, what steps can our listeners take to help ensure good sleep every night of the week? Well, the good sleep is that sleep that allows your body to get all the way into the deep stage three to four non-REM sleep. So it's where your body is fully relaxed. And the problem with that is is that you can't reach that state without having a well-rested lifestyle because otherwise you try to go to sleep at night and your mind's racing, which is a mental rest deficit, or you try to sleep at night and then you all the bright lights from your day are still stimulating to you from the sensory rest deficit. So you have have to really have the rest component of it understood to re- to receive that good quality sleep. You're and the first step I is identifying yeah, where you your rest deficit I, is. I violate one cardinal rule, and that is I always tend to watch TV late at night right before bed. And you say we should uh, turn that TV off at least, what, two or three hours before that's what some of the re- – there's re- multiple research out regarding that about the electronics, whether it be the phone or the TV. What I find with most of my patients is that at least 30 minutes. Some of the research says up to two hours, but most of us have become acclimated so much to the electronics and our, our devices that 30 minutes of downtime is enough to start kind of pr- deprogramming our, our mind from all of that stimulation. And most people, the problem is they don't really know which of the seven types of rest that they are deficient in, so that's why I created RestQuiz.com so that they can actually determine which of the seven types of rest that they're needing most. Yeah, you can order a rest deficit quiz, I think. that uh, It's free. It's a free assessment. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, uh, refresh our memories. Where are the best places to go to preview and purchase your book, Sacred Rest? And also your two prior books and your 12-part lifestyle upgrade video course. I know you offer that as well. Yes, all all of my information can be viewed on my website at ichoosemybestlife.com, including the link to the rest quiz. Okay. So ichoosemybestlife.com. Okay, just spell yeah, that's pretty easy to spell out. That's <laughs> third grade spelling or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we conclude today's program, here's an idea for you and your spouse or life partner to ponder. Are the two of you ready to slow down just a bit? Pair back unwise and unreasonable demands upon your time, mutually dial back expectations of perfection, and condition yourselves to listen. This is probably the most important of all, and respond to what your spouse is saying, but only after he or she has had a chance to fully say it. Without interrupting, in other words, like I often do. As a start, how about committing yourselves to five minutes a day? No preset agenda, no problem solving, no arguments. Just stare fondly into each other's eyes and let the conversation flow. And it sounds like my guest, Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, has come up with a pretty sound idea. Why not try it? As the old commercial said, try it, you'll like it. (laughs) Also for you, your whole family, loved ones, and friends, 
to accomplish not just one, but all seven of the types of rest you need each day. I highly recommend Dr. Sandra Dalton Smith's book, Sacred Rest. And after reading the book, I'll certainly, I'm certain that you'll agree that, indeed, rest is sacred. And thanks a million, Dr. Sandra, for returning with your Make Every Valentine's Day, Everyday Valentine's Day advice. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Thank you, and tune in next week for five keys to taking charge of your life on Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Bye for now. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 